0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Tide Chasers. We got a special guest from South this time, Um, but before we get into that, just go through a few things here You can find us at uh, tide chasers podcast on Facebook. We are also at tide underscore chasers on Instagram. Um, all the links to where you can find our, our, uh, podcast on different platforms is going to be in the bio of our Instagram page as well as on our Facebook page. And then of course, uh, we, we strive to, uh, entertain. So we, we, we do well with, uh, getting feedback. So the feedback is very important to us. Um, Positive feedback, negative feedback, whatever you have for us, just bring it our way. However, you know we we're just trying to keep this thing rolling. So like, su- subscribe, and share content. We got more exciting things coming.
2: Welcome, Qua. What do you got going on over there, buddy? How you doing? Good. I'm suffering from this sunburn from yesterday being out all day. You know what I mean? Been all day on the water, fished the morning session, then took a little lunch break, and the fished day the, the night evening session. Yeah, it was a good day out. Yeah, it looks like you had a pretty exciting trip
1: getting your first striped bass on the fly, and that can't beat that, man. We got some exciting content coming up that with that down the road. But without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest today. It's Warren Reese from Run the Marsh down in Virginia. How you doing, Warren? Oh, I'm
3: doing good. I'm doing all. I'm doing. I'm doing awesome. And um, we're excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be talking with you. So,
1: give us a little feedback, like, or give us a little bit of a um, you know, background on your influences, but first, if you could give us your social media, um, contacts, uh, how we could find run the marsh on Instagram, Facebook, just to give our listeners a little, uh, briefing so they
3: can look you up and know where to find you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a co-creator of a page called run the marsh. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at run the marsh VA. You can usually just look it right up, but if you have to type it in, it is uh, run underscore the underscore marsh underscore va, um, and uh, we also have a website runthemarch.com. dot com, and on Facebook you can find us under the same name runthemarchva. I got to tell you, you did really well with those
1: underscores. It took me like eight episodes to get the underscores right.
3: <laughs> I was I was doing some uh, I was doing some studying beforehand.
1: I had to really practice. Qual and I, we both, we both really screwed up the underscores a few times, and now we, we got it down. And yeah, then me, me with the Facebook page, I couldn't get that right either, but you nailed it. So, so why, why, why don't we jump right into it? Why don't you give us a little feedback on your early influences and, and how you got started in the fishing world?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so growing up, I, I'm taking it all the way back. Um, growing up, my parents got divorced at an early age. Uh, I ended up staying with my father most of the time. He was a big fisherman, still is a big fisherman. Um, And he had taken all his money that he had left after everything settled down, invested it in property. And uh, we were living out of a 28 foot Mallard trailer. But we also had a boat. I think at the time, I can't remember what he had at the time, might've been a 21 foot Grady weight. And then after that, we had a 24 foot Aruba, but just Dilapidy kind of fishing boats and uh we would go out fishing all the time that was how we got away from things uh from everything that was going on just go out and hit the water uh, we'd go out people would ask us what time you'd be back and um uh, he would he would famously reply with nine o'clock and whether that was nine o'clock p.m or a.m was you know kind of just up the bite So I remember spending a lot of nights sleeping in a Cuddy cabin just long enough for my dad to wake me up, have me reel in another drum or, you know, another double up bottom rig croaker and just, uh, just fishing all the time. Elizabeth river, Lynn Haven inlet, Rudy inlet, uh, the islands out in the bay tube, hot ditch, man, you name it. We were out there. We were doing it.
1: So that area as a whole has always been home to you that those waters have always been your home waters always. And then, and
3: then how, how
1: old would you say you were when you first started getting out on the water with your dad on the boats and stuff?
3: Uh, since I can first remember, I mean, honestly, since I was three and I can remember, but you know, my dad's got a picture of me at two years old on the boat, lowering my legs down into the mouth of about a 45, 48 inch striper. So (laughs) I've, Always. Just always. You know, when I started really casting and fishing by myself, I was five years old. Uh, my dad took me to Walmart. I got a six foot Orca. Medium light action. 1, Thousand fifteen hundred real. Um, and I just carried that stick with me everywhere I went. It was like my sword.
1: Can't so beat that. I- yeah, I mean, I I think I started out on the 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 Shakespeare uh, the Shakespeare twenty dollar combo from Walmart myself. If you can get past that, you can you can do anything. If you can get past fishing with something like that, so I still fish with that stuff.
2: <laughs> I still do it.
1: So now I've been following you guys. I, I don't know, probably a year and a half, two years or so. The I have to run the Mars page. How did you guys become run the Mars, and and who else is part of your your crew there?
3: So Run the Marsh was started by me, Warren Reese, uh, and my very good friend and fishing partner, Glenn Pizzanello. Um, there's also a third guy that we just kind of brought onto our team. Great addition. His name's Wes Trout. killer fisherman, killer trout fisherman. Um, but we started just, just me and Glenn were just kind of at the same time happening to get out of saltwater fishing. Cause we were in high school, we were teenagers and just getting out of high school. And, uh, we're more, you know, concerned with girls and partying than going out and fishing. And when we started to settle down take stuff more serious, we just kind of picked up the rods and reels again and, uh, texted each other and we we're like, Hey, you want to go bass fishing? And, uh, we started bass fishing like every day, every morning, we would go out and bass fish at night. We would catfish at night, carp fish. I mean, anything, anything you can think of, fresh water, we were into it. And uh, then just moved right back into the salt, started run the marsh. And uh, that was, that was kind of, that was kind of that. That's where the story started.
1: Now, now Kwan and I here, we both are, are marsh guys. We love the marsh. We love the sods. How did, where did that name originate from? Is it, is it pretty much you guys are on foot, just slaying fish all the time in the back or is there, is there um, more of a meaning to that name?
3: We're big weight fishermen and, um, kayak fishermen. I actually fish out of a canoe a lot, um, and just kind of stomping, tromping through the marsh. I mean, it's kind of just like a lifestyle, um, you know, so so I was just kind of thinking, and I'll and I'll tell you the truth. I was in the bathroom <laughs> at the ultimate thinking chair, and uh, was like, "Man, what do we do? We run the marsh, and uh, that's that's where it popped up. Run the marsh because I, you know, I wanted to name it something that kind of felt as cool to me or to us um, as as we felt, you know, when we were doing it." you know, we don't just do it, we run it. So, and that's, that's kind of the sentiment that we carried into the name.
1: Very nice. Now I, I will say there's something to be said for those of us that can really do it on foot. Like it's, it's not, it's not an easy task sometimes because you're contending with the boaters often, you know, you are often scouting out these spots that that look so great on maps. And then you get there and you're like, what the heck am I doing? (laughs) And so it's, it's it's there's a lot of work put in so you can't just drop gas in the boat and run out there and be like okay this sucks and move on you got to track all the way back the way you got in there so yeah i i, I love it i i love it until i hate it
3: yeah <laughs> if make
1: with sense until you uh, gotta walk it. back hate it. yeah so it's like you got these waiters. you're all mucked up all the way up to your chest and you're like well crap now i gotta go back through all that again and now i have a couple fish to bring with me or i I lost this or I lost that. It's just, it's, it's a pain, but it's, a, it's also a labor of love. Like I've always said, like, if you can do well on foot, you can do well anywhere because it's a different ball game. You're, you're bringing, you're bringing a game to the fish at that point. So now
3: I, oh, yeah. well, it forces your focus.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now I I I come down and fish for Virginia Beach pretty regularly. I love it there. You guys absolutely crush, but more specifically, I see that you do well fishing at night. Um, I, I love fishing at night, but mainly I, I choose that because I'm not choosing fishing over my my family. I have three kids, I have a wife, so I gotta split my time a little bit more than well you you have you have something a little bit in that that range now. So but I, I, I gotta pick my time, so I'm not choosing fishing over family. So is it by design or is that a personal preference? You guys really like to fish at night because you get away from other people or is it just is just a certain thing about being out there at night and and doing your thing?
3: It's definitely uh, it's definitely a, a good mix of both. Um, like you said, I've got a similar situation just about I've got a fiance and a newborn. Um, but before that, uh, I just had, you know, I just had to warm the egg, so to speak. But it, it it's a combination of both. A little bit out of necessity because we have jobs, uh, you know, we have families, we have things that we like to accomplish, you know, outside of fishing. Um, and also, after a while, it became a preference because we were able to to dial in spots so well at night. We were able to develop new techniques that really only seem to work at night, and uh, different stuff like that. Yeah, like off- share one with you guys. No problem. Uh, short trolling at night, we've been able to bring striper out of 30, 40, 50, 60 feet of water all the way up to the top of the water, you know, 49 degree water temp and, uh, you know, two o'clock in the morning, no moon and, uh, just kind of figured it out. And a tip for everyone listening, just get you, get you a little, uh, get you a little floating jerk bait. And just toss it about 15 feet behind your kayak no further than that just about 15 feet behind the kayak that'd be a long cast and uh just go i mean we slay them stuff like that so it really just became a we love fishing at night because we've kind of figured out new ways to do it i uh the last time
1: i was down there i, I did a lot of trolling for my kayak it's not something i typically do because i'm a i'm a cast and retrieve guy but as i was moving about you know, I said, you know what? I'll just try this. So I had like a little, uh, little paddle tail that I was throwing out behind my kayak, and I must have caught 40, 50 speckled trout just doing that without, without doing anything else, just trolling that little paddle tail behind me. And not, not all of them were big. I think I had like maybe three over twenty, but most of them were like just keeper range. But it was a lot of fun. Like as you're going to the next spot, you're catching fish still without actively fishing. It's kind, of, it's kind of a different scenario. So the trolling thing, that's something that. I I plan to do a little bit more of myself. Well, try it at night. I, I, you know what's funny is that I've only kayak fished at night one time, and I was down there doing it. I actually was fishing deep back in Linhaven, and by the time I was able to to move around by the
3: tide, I was I was out by the Lesnar Bridge, and it was like eleven o'clock at night, and it was just nuts. And that tide is insane. Yeah, I mean, we have had that tide ripping like four, five, six knots. I mean, just yeah. absolutely plowing you out of there.
1: Yeah, it's like a, it's like a toilet bowl just keeps sucking you back into a hole. You got to really power through it. I, I've not experienced that in many other places, but there it's like it's pretty intense. And plus, you got all these little shallow flats that you got to watch out for at
3: night. You got to go around the world to get back to the ramp. Oh, I mean, you figured the Lesnar <laughs> Bridge used to have a famous sign underneath of it that says, "Isn't this such a great place to die?" <laughs> I've I've heard I've heard
1: stories of uh many kayakers uh losing their battle there so I uh I I take it very seriously having, you know, three little kids at home. Now, with this with the summertime fishing kicking off, how do you guys choose which fishery that you're going to target on a day-to-day basis? Is there one that you prefer over the other?
3: See, that is where because summertime seems to be where it gets the toughest for us. We're big Uh, We're kind of big on what would classically be considered your tough seasons. We're big wintertime guys. We excel in the wintertime. Uh, We're big nighttime guys. Summertime seems to be where all three of us kind of split off from each other and we just almost fight over what's going to be the best with the two things we can kind of agree on being flounder and cobia. Um, Me, personally, I'm going to be fishing the river. I'm gonna be catching drum I'm gonna be fishing for drum and uh if it cools off in the evening time and I've already got my three, I'm gonna be looking for some perch essentially red drum, black drum, perch croaker
2: Croaker still exists around here <laughs>
0: yeah you I and haven't, part
3: between' you I haven't, and part
2: I haven't between. seen one of those up here in like six, seven years maybe. It's funny. When I first met my
1: wife and we were going on vacation to the shore, we would catch a fair amount of croaker. Like this is 2011, 2012 ish. And it's just be, they become extinct up here. I know you guys still get your hard heads down there and all that kind of stuff, but we don't, we we don't see them much up here
2: anymore.
3: Nope. When we saw the, the striper really move back in the, uh, the croaker population around here just plummeted. I mean, there's some spots and really when I'm, a croaker is almost a bycatch, but it's like a unicorn bycatch because the ones you do get anymore are, are either going to be four inches or they're going to be two and a half pounds. And, uh, there's kind of no in between. So when you're dropping crab chunks down for drum and you manage to get one, you know, it's almost more exciting. So a yeah. couple, spe- they become specialty at that point. That's, that's the way
1: we look at some of our fish up here as unicorns that used to be here, like weak fish and things like that. We don't, we don't see many of those anymore either. Now, is there a species of fish that you've decided that you need to spend more time, you know, uh, up in your game on? Like, is there something out there where you're like, man, I really need to, I really need to hone in on my skills here and, and improve on this fishery? Sheep. We love it. We're, we're sheep guys. That we, we, our episode that's going to be dropping this week is a sheep's head episode. Perfect.
2: Perfect.
1: I think between, how many sheep did you put in the boat last year? 55.
2: 55, nice. 4 over uh 4 over 10. Nice. Caught my biggest uh caught my biggest last year. It broke my personal PB. It went 13 and some change. Yeah. That's a Jersey sheep, too. That's a Jersey sheep, so 13. It was like, yeah, it was like 13. 20 or something like that that's no that's so, no
3: chesapeake bridge
1: yeah.
2: tunnel sheep yeah, that's, it was, that's a, it's not
3: a... but you know i get it you guys are up north that's awesome and i can't say anything because my biggest sheep is is probably about a pound and a half so really oh, you yeah. got some good sheep set fishing right there yeah but it, we got too much good fishing up here yeah down
1: here it's it's really that's that's one of the things like when i come down there it's like crap what do i want what do i want to target because i love it all i love redfish like there's nothing like throwing chunks of mullet at night in some lights and watching your your line just disappear, on on a weight on a weightless hook, it's just amazing. It's it that I did that in the fall last year and it was some of the most fun I've ever had. Oh, it's it, a blast! It was so much fun. Like twenty five to thirty inch red drum just pounding pieces of mullet. By the time your mullet goes under the water, it's gone. And your t- light your t- line is tight and it's on. It's so much fun.
3: And it's like wacky. It's like wacky worm fishing for bass.
1: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's like weightless mullet fishing. It's so, so much fun now. So sheep's head is your only one that you think you need to to work on a little bit
3: now, not that I need to work on, but that's going to be something that I focus on. I'm going to do a lot of do a lot of crab dropping this year. Uh, It's something I really enjoy doing, but really I just kind of smash the creeks and and catch a lot of reds like that. Um, But sheep's head just, it's just going to be something that I focus on this summer. Other than that, honestly, it's, it might be, um, just kind of unicorn hunting sharks in the river, uh, maybe going to there's a, a certain area in Virginia that holds tarpon. I'd like to mess around with that. some. it's just kind of unicorn stuff, just stuff if, that, uh, that'll, that'll really push me to, to, uh, to use some, some fundamentals and just pay attention to my technique.
1: You, you might you might see me out at that certain area because I know of that certain area and I've been meaning to, to check it out myself.
3: Yes, yeah. To get
1: uh, to get, a, to get a, a Virginia tarpon would be pretty amazing. No kidding. Talk about that! Now that's a true unicorn there, and some of those ones at that place get pretty big, like hundred pound plus. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can I yeah. mean you can find videos of it. So yeah. if if you're lucky, people are pretty like tight lipped on that thing.
3: They're tight lipped there. There's a there's kind you can draw a line on the map all around. It's almost like a straight line. And when you draw that straight line through, you just notice that there's certain cities that all oh, those guys are quiet because there's just something special in the water there. Yeah, for sure. Now I've been down there in the fall and I've seen people
1: netting like Cobb Mullet and seeing them pull like 18 to 22 inch snook up in the nets. Have you ever seen any of that yourself there? No. I won't say where, but I've seen, I've seen like six or seven of them get pulled in three straight, three straight casts.
3: No, I've seen, uh, I've seen some Jack Graval heard of some, uh, heard of some, uh, big uglies and shallow creeks, big, big 90 pound black drum, um, Cobia back in the rivers and stuff like that, but no, no snook.
1: It's pretty exciting. I mean, obviously the global warming thing is a serious thing. You know, climate change is a serious thing, but we're getting to experience a lot of different fish and in our areas and your areas that were unheard of years ago. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see how that change is happening right in
3: front of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, It's the, the biggest thing I think that people are noticing here um, is our varieties kind of, I don't know if it's our variety that's dulling down a little bit uh, or just kind of our core species that are, bulking up. I mean, we know they are. We know our striper numbers back in the Chesapeake Bay. As much as, you know, as much as you want to pay attention to, uh, to to what the numbers say, they're doing good. The striper in the Chesapeake Bay are doing good. Uh, the more we can fight Omega Red, the better we're going to do on striper. Um, trout are just insane numbers, but you used to hear about a lot of just, uh, you know, African Pompano. Um, kings. We still get some Kings. Um, Wahoo in close. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. And I just don't know if it's guys chasing after other things or what, but we're definitely seeing a lot of the, uh, a lot of the the core game fish bulking up like trout, striper, drum, stuff like that.
1: Now my spring, my, my, with my spring fishing, I usually, somewhere around March, I start targeting snakeheads pretty heavily. And then by the time my favorite, saltwater species open up up here, you know, the seasons open up for them. I'm over them. Is there like a fish that you fish so hard that you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta take a break. I gotta go do something else. Is there a fish in your, in your repertoire that you have figured out so well that you just gotta, you gotta move on for a little bit and give them, give them some space.
3: Yes. Roll your windows up. Cause a riot's about to start speckled trout. <laughs> I get so sick of speckled trout. Honestly, right now I'm so glad it's gotten up into the 90s air temp here because that's going to drive those speckled trout into getting lazy up in these parts, down in these parts. Um, I get so sick of them. By about December, I usually cannot stand speckled. Trout.
2: <laughs> that's strange because I, I I'm friends with a couple of Virginia guys too, and then they, they say the exact same thing. They're just tired <laughs> of specs. Like we're up like we're up here like. Please yeah, let, let us get some specs. Let, let us here. just get a spec. Just let us just get one. And those guys are like specs. Look. But see, here's here, here's my one theory that I think why your where's why tarpon more of these pelagics are coming inshore shore and whatnot. You guys have recently in the past few years have developed a really good run of shrimp, like, like harvestable size shrimp. Absolutely, like it's even you guys even developed a fishery for it now. So I'm thinking because of the warm water cold Gulf stream or whatever it might be bringing this warm water up, the brown shrimps are moving north. And as they're moving north, they're bringing game fishes like tarpon, snook, you know, those kind of, you know, species further up in, in the search for them, especially, you know, shrimp, they love, they love marshes and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised that you'll find tarpon in the backs and stuff like that. I mean, even up in Jersey, we've had sightings of tarpon up here. We've had we had dead carcasses of manatees up here. So, oh wow! Yeah. So I mean, it's this global warming thing is playing a big role and a big deal with all these species. So,
3: oh yeah, say- absolutely. Food follows the sun. So
2: yeah,
1: I- I'll say this. I I fished down there la- uh, maybe it was last year. We we entered the Chesapeake Bay from a Creek that was probably 30 miles or so out from the Chesapeake Bay bridge tunnel, maybe more than that. And the Creek that we launched out of there was six, seven inch shrimp, just jumping in the air right into the boat. Like you couldn't even move. Like you could hold a net out outside the boat and just, just catch them as you're going. And we were, we were casting that. And we were shrimp, like six,
3: seven inches. So, and they hold, they hold that way until uh, the first of the year, pretty much every year insane
1: it is it's nuts actually yeah i mean that from from what i was told from my buddies who i was fishing with it's it's like this has been a three or four year thing it's happened in the last three or four years which aligns with what you were saying Qua. i need to go down there and do shrimping yeah you, you don't have to go far you could cast that right right at some of these creeks right off a dock and get tons and then the fiddler crabs down there are like the size of a like like that it's nuts you guys yeah. have a have a
2: different breed of fiddler crabs. I, I, I need fiddlers. I was looking all day yesterday for fiddlers for sheeping to see if I could pick my first one off of the season. Couldn't find any. The water was too high. I was just like, Oh God, finding crabs, finding bait sucks.
3: We get some monsters. We got some monster. That's one of my, that's one of the big things I like to do because they keep pretty well. You could just put them in your bucket, you know, mm-hmm. throw a little wet, wet towel over the top of the bucket or whatever you want to do. And, uh, man, I love getting them, but we've also got another mud crab here. Um, I cannot remember the name. It's like a Japanese mud crab, uh, but they're purple. Uh, they're, they're purple and we get them all, they'll be mixed in with the fiddler crabs. And at first I thought, well, it's early season. This is some sort of mating color or something like that. Um, but we do. They're a lot smaller. I actually prefer them because I can put a whole one on a hook, and I don't have to cut them. I mean, yeah. we really get some huge fiddler crabs down
2: there. Yeah, I've I've seen. We have the same ones up here. They, I think we call them we call them mud crabs too. So, um, we get them mixed in with the fiddlers while picking them out there. They're they're kind of darkish. They have that little like a purple tint to them. They're I mean, they're Once in a while, we'll we'll find a few, and they they make really crazy good sheephead bait. Oh.
1: I'm a, I'm a sheep. I'm, I'm a fan of fiddlers. Kwa here prefers other like the Asian short crabs over the, the fiddlers. I, if I could fish fiddlers all year long, I would. And it's, it's really for, for sheep's head, it's really like a, a peanuts catch elephants type things. Yep. Like we, as, as a whole, we really like to use like the dime size, the dime size to, of perfect size Yep. To, to fit on the hook perfectly. Like more than that. Sometimes it's too much like you won't like even you you won't even get touched like if you have a bigger piece of piece of bait on there it's a, it's a, it's actually pretty pretty nuts but i'll tell you what man bottom sweeper jigs with fiddler crab or your crab of choice money like money sand fleas you, you name it like i i slayed in in Lynn Haven last year Head, with my buddy and we were using sand fleas frozen live it didn't matter so Keep that in mind. There's your there's your pro tip. The bottom sweeper with whatever your whatever your favorite bait is crustacean, and that'll Thank that'll you. help you. I'll
2: I take mean, it. I mean, I mean, typically, what are the like the areas or more like the structure type that you are focusing on picking up these sheep? Is, is is what I, is what I'm 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 asking is like like what are the like, structures wise when you're when you're sheep fishing, Warren? I'm, I'm, yeah, oh, yeah. Um,
3: really just wooden structure Structures. Wooden structure structure because that's kind of what what i know as far as picking fish off Like, um, like would this be back really... in,
2: like would this be back in like the marshes like off the of docks and stuff like that You're saying, yeah
3: off the of docks okay. um at the edge of edge of drop-offs right where it starts because our our drop-offs are on average they go from four to 40 when i'm fishing in the river um so right at the edge there, you get, it's just such a hard drop off. But on the other end, I mean, you, you always get a lot of food up on that ledge. So, um, I've not spent any time in my life just targeting sheep's head. Gotcha. Um, I've been the only, the only sheephead I've ever caught was way, way back in the river, uh, at our river lock where the salt and fresh separate. Uh, and I caught it on a beetle spin with a piece of shrimp on the back of it. Um, and I yeah, thought it was a black lost,
1: You got the lost fish on an obscure bait.
3: Yes. <laughs> thought it was a black drum and was all excited then picked it up and was like, that's a sheep's head. And right as I'm sitting there dumb with my mouth open, it flops off and, and, and gets out of there. So the first thing I do, I call Glenn up on the phone. No, I just caught a sheep's head. I just caught a sheep's head back at the locks. And, um, It's still, I think he still likes to debate me on that, whether it was or not, but I did caught one back there and it, and it really just kind of got me fired up to, to go target him out in the river. Just something I've never really thought of.
1: Well, I can, I can give you some spots in your backyard where you can catch them.
3: I would appreciate that.
1: (laughs) The guy, the guy that's 400 miles away or 350 miles away. I can give you some spots. Don't make me come up there and trout fish. Good luck. Good luck. luck. (laughs) There's there's probably one or two guys really good at it up here and they they
2: don't they don't tell a soul their secrets. So god, oh, I can't imagine they would. No, yeah. They, yeah, I mean they've been known to every year at least pick off a good 40-50 speckles under the radar. P- people barely can pick up one and these guys have these these perfect little holes at the speck I mean you guys know specs enough that they're they're really predictable. If they're at a spot one year, they'll come back the next year. They'll come back the next year. And same thing here in Jersey. These guys have these little holes that literally hold fish every year. And they just go back and just pick them. You know what I mean? That That's is crazy. So wild. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, 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 it's insane. Like our, our other buddy who will be on the sheep set episode with us. He, he catches all the unicorns on obscure baits. Like he got a, he got a, um, a redfish fishing from the jetty, uh, middle, central Jersey on a green crab, like, like just tog fishing like it's in any he called a speckled trout i mean he's got mahi from the jetty it's it's absurd oh
3: that is crazy we, unicorn, so, unicorn johnny we took a trip to the run the marsh guys uh and a couple of our other friends took a trip to the cape cod canal mm. last may and uh decided to go all the way out to the end of the jetties and um a buddy of ours was throwing a a live target mackerel or a live target sand eel in uh, in mackerel and it was a nine inch bait and he's throwing it and dragging it along the bottom, popping it, popping it, popping it. Well, right when he comes back to the jetty, uh, about a 350, 400 pound ocean sunfish goes nose down on the bait, inhales it and just starts scooting off away from the jetty. We were all sitting there so dumbfounded and ocean sunfish turned mouth down and sucked that thing up. <coughs> But uh, he didn't want to fight it. He didn't want to catch it. He was like, man, this stupid fish. And we're just sitting there about <laughs> doing backflips because he's just got this crazy, obscure fish on the line. What a shame. That
1: That's a story right there. That's that's a that's one for the for the books there. If he was able to uh to do anything with that fish. But that big of a fish probably wouldn't have had any shot anyway.
3: Oh, no, we've got it on film, though. So what what little bit did occur? We've got it. So oh, that's
1: good. At least you got that. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll see like billfish up in the Cape Canal. Sometimes people will catch like billfish up in there. It's say, like sailfish
3: and stuff like that. To, yeah, to a lot spray. of sailfish go through there. Yeah, and it's... albies. I saw, um, I saw, I saw a huge school of albies go through, and albacore, uh, false albacore, bonito, Alba whatever you want to call them, um, scream through there. And I'm sitting there with a, a spotlight on, just sitting there fishing, uh, fishing for uh what do we call it a blue perch uh i don't know it's some it's some kind of strange bottom feeding fish that they have there it's great to eat uh but i'm seeing these absolute rockets going by underneath my spotlight and uh turns out it was albies.
2: albies they move fast super yeah, we, fast
3: we
1: call them we call them albies or albacore up here i guess down south they call them Bonitas. and mm-hmm. you know there there are Bonitas too which are different fish and it's just it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum of sorts because
2: you have the same fish that's called multiple different things in different locations. Except one's edible that you can eat sushi, <laughs> right. and one is just like shark bait. Right. But, but the one that's shark bait uh, a hell of a lot of fun to catch. So uh, I've heard. Uh, so but I've, heard. <laughs> but it, I, I've experienced this. I've, I've been out. I've caught a 15, 20-pound bonita, the, the eatable kind, and then I caught a 15-pound twenty. Uh, fifteen pound albi on the same trip the benita will the benita will out outrun and outbeat out i an albi any day guarantee yeah there you, you. Go. There you go
3: so similar too that's so weird but
2: very si- very similar but their power they're, they're for some reason their power is a lot different. a benita will dig down, dig down and dig deep they'll I mean we were fishing sixty foot wrecks jigging and then yeah that thing kept shooting down and we would, I just thought it was a monster. Albie, or something it came up was a bonita, 20 pounds. And then, like three drops later, I pick up an Albie. Now, Albies don't run down, they run up. They run out and they run out east. So they try to, they try to spool you. But then, after a while, they get tired enough. They, they start circling, just kind of like tuna. They circle, they'll circle, and then you just live, grab them by the tail and lift them. But yeah, but bonita, they, they, they dig. They'll, they, they'll fight to the end of their lives.
3: <laughs> so, There's too many fish to catch out here. That's the I'm problem done, for done. me. That's the
1: problem for me. Is I, I, my eyes get get too big when I start looking elsewhere. I, you know, I, I know we have great fishing here, but I always want what I can't have. If you know what I mean, like I always got to chase something else somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, I'm after work just throwing my kayak on my uh, on my rooftop and driving five hundred miles with no plan. I mean, I've
2: been even how, it, nah, it, I've man. Been there, man. Yeah, even <laughs> even though even though I always I, I always make fun of Dan for shooting down south to go fishing all the time. Like I have days when literally I just want to stre- I want to hook up the, the skiff and take it down all the way down to Virginia Beach and chase that cobia bite you guys have, like that insane sight fishing, you know, cobia bite. Like my 15 inch flat skiff has no reason to be out in there in the ocean front, but it will be.
3: <laughs> we did it in a 14 foot aluminum, man. You can do it.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I mean, my boat was built for surf for like four or five foot swell, so I don't really care. It'll, it'll, it'll handle it. So.
3: Well, perfect because they'll yeah, get to if you go out there in it.
2: Yeah, i've I've <laughs> been out I've been out in the front fifteen miles, freaking fishing for bass, wreck fish, whatever, be, looking for cobia. Uh, I've come in with like four or five foot swells. I don't care. I, I I put the full throttle down and I just eat them. I don't. I know I'm, it's going to be a wet ride in, and I just don't care.
1: <laughs> so, right. You you get the four to five foot swells before you even get to Fisherman's Island out of the creek.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't even have to get all the way out there. You get those swells. I'll never forget. I went out there. I was uh I fished Rudy. I'm on my way back home. I'm like, you know what? Let me go try the the little bridge over by Fisherman's Island. I I go I go out the creek. I'm like, yeah, today's not the day for that. It's not the day for that. I'm like, my kayak's like like what you see on on the movies where the the guy doesn't come home. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna turn around. Turn around. <laughs>
3: And it happens fast too. That's the bummer is there's no warm up like when you go to the water park and the wave pool, like yeah. you're just sitting out there and then you're sideways. You're like man,
1: I, I was I was coming in as uh, Medell was leaving uh, Cloud Break mods. Yes, He's like man, I, I he goes, man, I had a great day. I'm like, great, this is gonna be awesome. And I get out there and it just blows up on me. I'm like, you steered me wrong. You, I should have left when I saw you leaving.
3: Yeah. Well, usually if you see him leaving, he's already been out there for about six hours. So.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, he's a early, early bird for sure. All right. So now we're going to, we're going to switch it up a little bit here. You were recently breath, blessed with a new addition to your family. How have you adjusted to fishing since becoming a father and how much different is it for
3: you now? Oh, easy. I just don't. <laughs> there you go. No, it's been, um, it's been it's been cool so circling way back uh you know to the beginning my dad's a big fisherman as well um so that that helps uh because my dad my stepmom really all all my family my fiance's family they've been such a tremendous help uh that when my dad calls up and says hey can you find some time to fish within the next couple of days all i have to do is ask my fiance and and you know tell her hey the godfather uh, (laughs) he's requested on this day that I fish and, uh, and she lets me. So I've been out once since then. I think it's going to be a smooth adjustment. It's just such an important part of my life that I don't see it as something, you know, I'm, I'm never going to feel any guilt or shame for, for taking some time to fish. Um, and I know I'm going to be able to have a good balance. So how have I adjusted so far? I've been just a bit too tired to hit the night missions. But I'll get back.
1: It it gets easier. I'll I'll put it that way. I and we had this conversation like offshoot uh, one one evening. But it all gets easier. I mean, heck, I I I'll never forget the about six days after my son was born, I was out on my kayak with my father in law, and I I hooked up with my first muskie ever. And I get back, I'm like so excited. My wife's like, yeah, carrying the baby around, she's exhausted, but she's she was chill. And it's like everybody's like. How in the world were you able to leave your your newborn baby home with your exhausted wife and get out and go fishing? I'm like, um, she just said it was cool. I mean, I was fishing with her dad. You know, there, that was a point where he and I would see each other more than I would see my wife sometimes. Like we we were we were fishing a lot together from the kayaks and all. So it, it it's it's a balance for sure. Um, oftentimes you'll feel like you're doing the wrong thing by Choosing fishing over your newborn or whatever it may be. But eventually it gets really awesome when you can take your kids with you. Like uh, I'll never forget my my son catching his first snakehead when he was just three years old, or being on the cover of the Fisherman magazine when he was four years old with an almost eight pound walleye. Like all of my fishing accomplishments are trumped by anything he does, like anything he does in the fishing world, because, you know, I, I get the joy of saying that, you know, I, I, sp- I spurned him into this, I turned him into this, uh, this, what he is as far as a fisherman. So I, I guarantee you, if you have any influence over it, you're going to love it. It's going to, it's going to be the best. Cause then you, you have a fishing buddy for life. Like you are with your dad.
3: And that's something I'm so excited for just cause I mean, it, it's given me so much solace, so much peace to be able to fish and to go out and, and have such an extensive history with it that it's, Connects right into your soul, you know, in a way that we only get maybe a couple things in our lifetime that will make us feel like that, and sometimes they're fleeting. Fishing really is forever as long as we have an earth. So it's it's just something that's so deep, something that you can pour so much into um, and get so much from. I hope that I can pass it down and communicate it to him in a way that. Uh, that gets him as, as deep as it got me and gives him as much as it's given me. Um, cause it's been, you know, next to, next to my life and my redemption, um, fishing has been the greatest gift I've ever gotten in my life. I, I, I totally agree
1: with that because honestly, outside of work and my family, it's really all I do. I don't have other hobbies. I don't have other fast passions. Like I pour my non-family, non-work life into fishing. When it comes to fishing, it's like, it's an obsession for me. Um, You know, when I'm, I'll be sitting on my couch, like in the dark three o'clock in the morning, reading a certain article about something I want to check out or watching this video or watching a Lias V video or, or, you know, one of these other guys that I I look up to or what's
3: that? So that guy crushes. Yeah. He's he's amazing.
1: He's amazing. And you know, it's just, it's just, it's a craft, right? So you're always doing what you can to work on it. If, if, it means, if it means what it does to me or what it does to you, it's always something that, you know, you never know everything. I mean, there's always some little technique that's new or some little secret that you learn and it's like, man, and then the light bulb goes off. Yeah. So it's just, a, it's an amazing thing. Like you can literally fish for the same species of fish your whole life and still learn. Like there's, there's bass fishermen that that's all they fish for. I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they do it because honestly, uh, I'm sorry. My bass fishing friends, I don't get joy out of bass fishing specifically. I like when I catch a nice bass, you know, as a bycatch, it's great. But if all I did was target bass, I don't know. I don't know how that would be. I, I just love being like, for example, one day I could be salmon fishing. The next day I could be 600 miles away from there fishing for redfish. And I get joy out of that because it's like, if if you if you only fish for one species of fish, I think it kind of gets stale or can get to the point where you you run out of accomplishments, right? So for me, it's always about, you know, what's the next accomplishment? What's the next milestone? What's the next thing I want to conquer? So usually every year I add three or four new fish species to my list to try and conquer per se. Last year, sheep's head, I caught a couple before that, but last year sheep's head was my my main my main goal, speckled trout and redfish. And I, I did really well on all of them last year, but that was my goal. So this year, it's, I'm up in my game a little bit and trying some other things. So it's always something to learn. It's always a challenge. It's always something to challenge yourself. Now, I'm sure bass fishermen can find other things to challenge themselves. But for me, I like the, the, the idea that I could fish for
2: completely different species of fish and completely different bodies of water one day to the next. Well, here's my theory behind that. And I'm going to try to defend for a bass fisherman. I don't bass fish. But just to break it into our terms, as in, uh, saltwater, it's like striper fishing. What was the What was the term from Leah the, uh, the other episode? We lo- we like to catch them, but we don't like to target them. Right? So we lo- love catching them, hate love- targeting them. There you go. Love catching them, but hate targeting. them. You know why? Because how many different ways do you think that we can catch striped bass? There's trolling. There's live lining bunker. There's top water, jigging. Deep Jigging. Uh, suspended Jerk Baits. Uh, this year, I'm going to be throwing Mirror Lures at them. Twitch Baits. Mirror
3: Lures are incredible.
2: Yep, and I'm going to try to catch Striped Bass on them this year. Uh, we can catch them on the Troll. <laughs> you know, you can catch them on get the fly. Spare fish for them. You can spearfish Fish for them. You can catch them on the fly. Flutter Spoons. Flutter Spoons. Uh, if you get bored, you could throw Frogs for them. Whopper <laughs> Ploppers. Yeah, whopper ploppers, you know what I mean? There's so many ways to catch one. And that's and that's the kind of like the same thing as largemouth bass. You know, you can top water, same thing. Top bar, live shiners, wacky rigs, finesse rigs, finesse worms. Yeah. Literally, any there's multiple ways you can catch bass. And I'm assuming that's what intrigues bass fishermen because and then with bass, they're every season they react differently, you know, pre-spawn, post-spawn. Warm weather temperature, cold front temperature, hot temperature. Same thing with striped bass. That's why I see it's kind of like the same layman's terms for us too. Because striped bass kind of acts somewhat with largemouth. Of... When the temperature drops, bass act differently. Temp- tides drop, the bass act different. No, stripers act differently. W- waters are too hot. Where are they at? They're deep in the channels. No, if it's a nice cool overcast day, where are they at? They're up on the flats, warming up, and you can throw top water at them. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah, we we love. Stripe bass, but we hate to target them because they're so finicky. There's certain days they want this, certain ways they want that. But I guess that's fishing, right? It challenges us to upgrade our um, style of fishing and always trying to learn new stuff. Like me, just like you guys would have said, I'll be sleeping. I'll I'll literally wake up at 4 a.m. and I'm like, oh, shit. I'll jump on my phone app on Navionics. And I'm like, I remember just driving past this hole the other day. So I'll search for Navionics and I'll look at the uh, the line con- contours and I'll be like, that's it. This is the hole I saw last week on my on my fish finder. I just remember this clicked in my head, so I'll literally load it up on my Navionics chip for my fish finder. And then the next next week, I go out, I'll plug it into my fish finder, and I'll literally drive to that hole and I'll lit there. I'll drive around in circles on my boat, just literally side scanning, down imaging the whole hole, just so I know what the layout is down there. So listen, I get it, but it's still bass fishing.
1: (laughs) It's still
3: (laughs) bass fishing.
1: I'm sorry, I'm, I, I don't don't get me wrong. I, I used to be like, for example, um, bluefish used to hate'. them. I'm okay with bluefish now. I just don't want them crashing a party when I'm fishing for other stuff. If I can go out and target bluefish specifically, I'm okay with that. It's when I'm fluke fishing or flounder fishing, and I lose thirty dollars worth of gulp in about ten minutes. That's when I hate blue fishing all right they're the
2: uninvited guests to the party okay that's why i hate blue fishing the blue fish blue fishing sucks when they're smaller than two pounds okay when they get to about five to ten to (laughs) fifteen to twenty that's a whole nother ball game and if you've already experienced that like two three weeks ago i I, we took you out and you you got to see what these 15 pound bluefish do they they wreck gear yep Uh, i mean i've been there i've 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 Thrown over three hundred and fifty dollars worth of plugs away on bluefish on one day of fishing. They broke off. It. They, huh? Oh, I loved, lo- I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. You know why? It's just they destroy gear, and that's I. I like that. They put they put my gear to the test. Well, Anybody anyway. can lose seven <laughs> plugs. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I lost. <laughs> eh, dude, twenty five bucks a pop on a plug. They, they don't care. They, they, they they'll, they'll eat it all you'll just sit there and just cry about it but you know what it's fishing
1: i, I get it i get it but i'm a dad of three over here in, in a in this big house that's the you know i i got i gotta i gotta be frugal and i don't want my gulp getting destroyed that's all there is to it i mean why is that so hard to understand man i, I always come to my come to crash my party no well, they don't speak I had Google. i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun catching them that that time a couple of weeks ago so it did change my mind a little bit but so I'll put it this way. If I'm specifically targeting bluefish, I'm in. If it's uh, if it's something else and, and they come in and destroy my stuff, then
2: I get annoyed. But it's all good. Oren, have you guys got any big runs of uh, choppers this year or no? I know Virginia Beach used to get them really good in the back. Yeah, as
3: in Rudy. I'll even tell on them. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Go fish for them. <laughs> now we had no, <laughs> last year, last year we didn't really see it. Year before that, it was nuts. Year before that, it was nuts um last year it wasn't real big they're
2: starting to, to to flow in uh you know what we call taylor taylor blues yeah taylor's right like five ten pounds somewhere around there seven ten pounds something like see that.
3: our our t- our tailors are like two two to four,
2: all oh, two day four. Long. yeah we call those cocktails up here so and our tailors are like our, our tailors are like five to seven uh gators are like 10 to 15 and anything over 15 is a freaking gorilla <laughs> <laughs> see What's we're so up? and
3: uh, the colloquial terms are so nuts because I mean I'm sure there are people that would follow that you know that those yeah. names here uh but really me and the people I'm around it's a it's a tailor, then it's a gator, then it's a chopper
2: right and all, then all the it's a it's the same side. thing it's same it's the same thing with reds too right because you guys the, you guys call them, you guys got puppies yeah and then you and then you know some guys call them red drum, some people call redfish, and then you know some call. Bull bull reds, like what do you classify as a bull red? Uh, That is a heated debate that we have quite often. It always is. uh, If I had
3: to say like, what is a bull red? They're not going to start filling out for their length really until they're about 34, 35 inches. That's where I'm going to start calling them a bull. Um, Under that, I'm just going to call it a waste of uh, four minutes. (laughs) Uh, but then once you get back into the slot, they're all pups or slots.
2: Okay. So, so slot size fish are pups and then bigger than that. Waste of four minutes. Any, anything, anything, <laughs> anything, anything after five is a, uh, is a bull. See, see in Florida, cause I grew I'm uh, I re, I was born and raised up in fish in Florida. So bull reds were just for us every day for down Florida. We, we call anything over 40, a bull, and anything below that is a is a not worth to keep throwback because that's, I'm, really,
3: that's really kind of how it is here. I mean, it's really 40 is where you people really start calling them bulls. I'm yeah. going to call it a bull at 35 because I want everyone to win. Yeah. Um,
1: and yeah, see, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. I don't like watered down accomplishments. <laughs> I, I like I like the bull red to be 40, a cow striper to be 40, a tide runner, weak fish to be 10 plus. A doormat flounder to be ten plus.
2: Ten plus, yeah.
1: Um, you know, snakeheads—they've gotten this distinction of a dragon. A lot of people are calling ten-pound fish dragons, but they're so easy to catch. I don't think it's special at that point. I think the dragon has got to be fifteen pounds and up. That's a heated debate I have with some of my friends, and I got a couple of them convinced that it makes sense. Like when you can go out and catch—like uh, I know a guy that's caught probably two, three hundred snakeheads over ten pounds. Is that a special fish at that point?
2: I don't think so. No, but I mean, how often do you think we can go out tomorrow and pick up a 10 pound snake? I guarantee you, if I tried the next two weeks, I could probably get three of them. I'm about to raise you on this bet. I'd like okay. to see it.
3: I'm about to take a vacation.
2: All right. I bet you I, I could get three. I bet
1: I could get three 10 pounders if I really went after If I took my kayak out, which I never do, I bet you I could.
2: All right. You hear it first here on the podcast, guys. <laughs> I'm betting with Dan when it went no wait, how are we betting this because we're releasing this in a few weeks so
1: basically. so here's here's the thing what's going to have to happen is we got to have a starting point of when the bet starts in two okay. weeks so are we talking about two weeks from today or two weeks from no, i mean when? it's got to make sense right so i got to be able to get my kayak out it's got to work where i can actually get some fishing time in so maybe my next four day uh my next four days off i'll really pound it hard
2: all right well, well it'll be it'll two we'll, weeks from now we'll make this announcement on our, our um on our Instagram, if Dan can catch three doubles in the next whatever two weeks, he, he calls a date, I'll take him to Texas Roadhouse. So you can get the get a, te- a steak dinner on me. Oh snap! I'm in. I just right. want the
1: accomplishment of catching three three double digit snake heads in two weeks. I don't need a yeah. steak, but if you're going to offer up
2: sna- steak, I'm in. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm, game challenge. over. Steak for snake challenge. That's what it is, man. Game,
1: game over, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now now uh, getting back to what we we're okay about, <laughs> i've seen that you guys often travel south to fish uh how often do you come up north and do you have any other trips planned uh where you're going to be targeting other uh, other species that you don't typically target in your area like for example you talked about your cape cod fish uh fishing experience do you have any other trips like that planned do you have any further south trips planned anything like that any f-
3: freshwater trips inland things like that so we, I really haven't been planning a, a whole lot of trips with the guys. Um, I know they've possibly put together a couple things. I'm always interested in going up North, especially up North on the salt. Um, I just think it's a neat, a neat, I just remember, you know, a few years ago watching Elias V videos thinking like, man, I'm trying to go up North for a little bit. So, uh, haven't, haven't planned anything. I definitely want to go back to mass. That was awesome. Uh, we're constantly in North Carolina. We like to go to, uh, um, uh, <laughs> we're constantly in North Carolina. We like to go out to, uh, Noose river area, uh, out there, Trent river. We've got a good buddy of ours. Um, Dana Tabarini, Captain Dana Tabarini. Uh, he's, he's an amazing captain. And uh, he takes care of us. So, trips planned. I think the next things we're really looking at is Florida. I think we're gonna try to do the the um, bullseye trip, do some peacock fishing, knife clownfish stuff like that.
1: Those are those are a couple on my list. And the the clown knife fish, the bullseye snakeheads, the tarpon, obviously peacock. The, the, I got to get
2: down there after those. Those are on my list for sure. But don't, don't that, forget the ghost. Just... Don't forget the ghost of the flats. Bonefish. Yeah, bonefish. Yeah, that's right. Bonefish. You can't forget the ghost of the flats, man.
3: And Glenn is wired up on bonefish. Glenn, Glenn wants to go chase some bonefish. I want to go chase some. Uh, I want to chase some food. I want to <laughs> take some home and eat it at the end. I mean, I'm just I love fish. And uh, I'm into that. Those bonefish videos are insane. Mm hmm it's hard to kind of put it together when you're watching someone do it on the fly. Yeah. You don't really have much of a concept of what's going on when you, when you see one of those eight pound bonefish, take someone on spinning gear. It is like a whole nother world of fish run.
2: Yeah. They, they, they take you left to right. It's like lightning. It's like lightning speed. They're one of the fastest fish I've ever seen take off. So it's, it's insane. Um, but, the invites there, if you ever come up to our way, Jersey, just know you always have a flats boat to hop on. My boat's always open. You know what I mean? I, I, mean, I don't know if you fly fish, but I'll take you out fly fishing. If not, we can stock the marshes, uh, topwater bass in the morning, stripers in the morning. And then we can go try to hunt down that double-digit sheep any day you want. You know what I mean? It's there. Oh, and absolutely. absolutely. And then we'll, you know, we'll hit bridges and stuff and see if we can pull out a couple of tog and stuff. You know, whatever you want to do, man. I don't do much. I ju- I just love to put people on fish. I'm I'm over like I'm over the stage of actually catching fish myself nowadays because I fish so much that I've caught what I wanted. Nowadays, it brings me joy to put people on fish. So especially if it's like something like like a double digit sheep. Like I'm literally trying to put the whole damn state on a double digit sheep. But you know, what I mean, it's kind of it's it's they're unicorns up here. You know, unless unless you have them dialed in, you're not going to find them. So people people get lucky if they pick one or two off a year. You know, a, I've I've been studying them and trying to do my best and just researching and a lot of homework. A, a really good mentor, and he's so he's i uh, I've learned in the past five six years. So I'm pretty much there. Pretty I pretty got him dialed into that perfect window where I can pretty much almost guaranteed you'll pick up at least a couple of fish. So, well,
3: I hope you know that invite goes both ways, and uh, you both of you are more than welcome to come down south anytime you want uh, and hop on, uh, hop on the sea arc. I just, uh, kind of got the reins on one of the boats I grew up on. And, uh, it's been, it's been awesome. A brand new 2020 Yamaha 115 on the back. And, uh, man, it's been awesome. And that's kind of the phase I'm starting to get into. I get, I put people on the boat and I'm like, man, y'all, y'all fish. Y'all fish. I'm gonna putz us around. I'm gonna make sure everything's perfect. I'm gonna tie six anchors onto the boat so we don't move an inch, and just put oh. y'all on them. That's it's, yeah. That's totally
2: all right. You that. know, save save those save that Christmas money, man. Get one of those Minnesota spot locks. Don't need more anchors. No anchors, no more, man. That's the that is that's the next investment. Yeah, I got I got one, and it's it's a game changer for me. It's literally I don't even know what an anchor even looks like anymore. True. <laughs> Like I'll I'll, oh, anchor, I'll anchor offshore in like 50, 60 feet of water and just hit lock and little literally I'll just sit there and wreck fish.
3: Oh, they're awesome! I fished on boats with them, and yeah, it man. is. I mean,
2: they're, they're just, insane.
3: Yeah, yeah. But, now that you now that you got that uh, that that
1: little uh, that little uh, future fisherman, hopefully we get another stimulus check. Right that, there's your spot lock right there. Deep that's <laughs> what I'm saying. One more, <laughs> just one more.
3: I'm just, so sick.
1: <laughs> stimulus was good to us fishermen last year. That's right. <laughs> So now, let's say you have two hour a two hour window to fish, and you you have you, you're you're going to go out, you're going to catch some fish, you want to bring a couple things home to eat. What is your confidence fish? Like I, I'm I'm assuming it's probably speckled trout, but what is the fish where you if you got two hour window that you you want to bring a couple home a couple home for dinner? What are you doing? Where are you go? What what are you targeting? Uh, I'm
3: taking a pack of red curly tail gulp uh, with a white a uh, quarter ounce jig head i'm gonna tie it on uh and i'm gonna go catch a couple puppy drum very nice I'm gonna go catch a couple puppy drum because i can hit them i've got it dialed up to where any time of the year not any day because it's still fishing um but i can just about count on being able to go out just multiple spots all over the area pretty much count on being able to go out and catch at least one slot size puppy drum so if i have to eat it's puppy drum okay
1: very nice so so that is a perfect example of these these slot regulations working because all around that area it's pretty pretty i wouldn't say it's easy but it's a pretty sure bet if you put your time in, you're going to get a couple of those slot fish uh the redfish and that's just a that's just a uh a good endorsement of those regulations working because, and then used to be that way, even probably five, six years ago. It wasn't
3: that way. Oh, it's been tight here. It's been tight on the puppy drum for a long time. Yeah. Um, for at least the last, well, since I can really remember. Um, but I'm a big fan of slots. I'm a big fan of slots. I think they work as long as they're wide enough. Um, as long as there's been enough, you know, research put into it. I am a huge fan of slots.
1: I honestly feel like we need it on a couple of our fish up here, like uh like fl- flounder, for example. I mean, that uh, the, 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 way those fish grow, we have three fish at 18 inches in Jersey. Well, I think I read some scientific studies that said 93% plus minus is uh, 18 inch flounders is, uh, is going to be female. Yeah. So, whereas you have the four fish at 16 and a half inches at 16 and a half inches, what I read is that's, I think, 62% chance of that being a female fish. So just with those different regulations, if you're keeping the lower end of the regulations, there's a 31% difference in what you're keeping as far as a breeding female fish and a male fish. Now there's no guarantee that you'll get one or the other, but at least you're giving it a better shot down there, which is why me personally, I get, I get flack for it, but I'll go to Delaware, I'll go to Maryland, I'll go to Virginia and flounder fish. Why? Because I don't need an 18 or 19-inch fish. One 16 and a half fish feeds my whole family. If I quarter it, um, I don't eat fish, believe it or not. I've tried, I just don't, I, I don't do it. So one quartered 16 and a half inch flounder everybody in my family gets a, gets a fly. Now my son's getting a little bit bigger, so that's gonna, he usually gets the little one on the belly side. So he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna have to, I'm gonna have to step that up a little bit, but even so, like, I don't, I, I used to be all gung ho about limiting out and it's, it's nice to every once in a while, but now I'm, I, as I get older, I get more into the teaching aspect of fishing and more into the conservation part of fishing. I think that it's very important to be able to, to put fresh Fish on the table, know where your fish comes from, you know, be able to, especially you with, you know, a kid, you got to be more, I would think you'd be more conscious of what you're putting in front of your family as opposed to where you used to be in the past where it's just yourself or whatever. um You know, we're, 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 we could be, we could be slobs sometimes, right? As men, you know, we, we don't care about all that stuff. But when, when you're feeding other people, it's a little bit of a different scenario. So I'm more careful about where I'm getting my fish from and what I'm putting in front of my family
2: now than I ever was. I mean, oh, I, think, yeah. I think slots do work. Um, sometimes they work too much. Uh, if, if if you've ever been in Florida, you know the slot. They do a, a really tight snook slot there. They do a really tight redfish slot there. I think it's a, they're almost the same size as with you guys in Virginia. The odds of catching a slot fish down in Florida off like Sebastian, and I've fished there almost 15 years of my life, it's rare. Like a, It's like a slot red. You're not going to fight one, catch one off the pier. It's It's impossible. You maybe if you can't go back deep into the the lagoon and stuff you'll pick off a slot back there but like literally there's thousands of reds below right below the pier but they're all like 35 40 inches 45 50 55 you know it gets to a point where fishermen they'll, they'll catch a big red like a like a 45 50 they don't even want to bring it up on the thing they literally just pop their lines because it's like it's, what can you it, do with it Kill you it? can't do you can't do anything and you can't literally you gotta throw it back you know and I mean, fish are, the reds are pretty hardy, but, like, the drop, I see them sometimes. Some fishermen, like, they know, like, put them back into the, the the bridge net and lower them and then revive them and let them swim out. Other guys literally just dump them off head first, too. Sometimes, like, the impact, I mean, I think, I guess it would be great. It's, it's healthy because they get that big jolt of oxygen through their gills as they're being dropped in. But at the same time, sometimes I feel bad them dropping them that high. So, it's kind of like. So, now, here's, here's my question to you, Warren. Do you think if they impeded a. A slot regulation on the striped bass that it would help because we have, I mean, we have that. What are you guys at? Are you guys out? Are you the same as us? One fish over thirty-five or thirty-eight, or the one fish below thirty.
3: Um, so we are eighteen to thirty-four. I think
2: we do have a slot first. Right? Oh, okay. So you guys have us one for eighteen to thirty-four. Ours is one and fish. Then we
3: have for yep, we yeah. have a trophy season where it's like one fish over thirty-four or thirty. Okay.
2: Oh, yeah. Their regulation is a lot different than ours. Than it's Dan. so
3: OK. I've asked game wardens. Mm-hmm. I've asked Marine police. Uh, I have even called the Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries. Nobody can give me a clear representation and a clear breakdown of our striper laws. Striper get played with so much. It is so gray area ambiguous what laws they really want to make with striper in Virginia that it's ridiculous. It's um, It's frustrating. Sometimes I don't even like catching striper or keeping striper during the season because the laws are so ambiguous. You really have no clue whether you're a poacher or not. Um, it's a little frustrating. What they need to do is clear it up. I think the slot's a great idea. They just implemented the slot recently. Um, I like it. They need to really start clearing up on how we can fish for striper in the bay. It's,
1: it's, it's nuts because you have your regulations and Maryland is 10 times worse. And it's their, their, their game fish. Like, you know, you got these, you got these fish that are highly touted down there and then they have this trophy season where they just completely blow it up. Like the trophy season needs to go away. Number one, in my opinion, it's fine to catch and release, but why, why, why put, why, why keep breeders? I I just, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the science behind it. I don't understand and then in Maryland, if you're on a boat for hire, you can keep two fish. Whereas if you're a wreck guy on, on land, you can only keep one fish. Like, why is there a difference? Like, it's it, you talk about ambiguous. That It just drives me nuts trying to figure out Maryland's regulations. It's, it's
2: absurd. It, it seems like any state below Delaware, like, their regulations are so out of whack that no one really – like, even for someone that lives in Virginia, he, he called – this many departments and no one gives him a straight answer of like, Hey, uh, these are the regulations. These are the sizes different. He called different offices and they couldn't even figure out what the real regulations were.
3: Now you can read it, but it's like, you know, if on the fourth Tuesday, if you put on That's your left sock first in the morning, after you get out of the shower, so true. Uh, you have to get two fish over 28 and release them backwards before you can keep one. <laughs>
1: And then um, if you didn't rub your ear sideways three times, you can't keep any fish that day. And yeah. you're
3: going to jail.
1: <laughs> exactly. Sorry. All right. So, so to rein this back in, you, you, I see you promote a, a line of, uh, of sauces that you use. Um,
3: why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so that is a company called Ashman Co. Uh, it is – so Glenn was actually a coach for uh, the owner's son, baseball coach and uh it's a local company they make seafood specific sauces and rubs Uh, they have some other stuff as well but we just thought it was super cool i mean they have oh gosh probably 16 16 different just fish sauces i mean all for marinating cooking and and dipping fish and uh we just brought them the run the marsh idea and kind of our Our framework and said, Hey, would this be something that we could maybe team up on? And, uh, they said, yeah, let's do it. And we started kind of repping Ashman co and, and using their sauces. And we have a lot of film that we've, that we've taken and and just kind of held on to catching cooks, things like that. Um, but they've got good sauce. They've got good sauce. They've got one rub called the Scandinavian salmon rub that I use for everything. I use it for my chicken. I use it for burgers. I use it for every. I mean, it's awesome. Um, and if anything, it's a cool idea. I mean, it's sauce made just for seafood, so I like that idea.
2: I do like that idea. I eat a lot of seafood, and I'm always trying to find newer ways just to kind of kick things up and spice them. You know what I mean? Now, in that line of thinking, now, as you said, redfish is your probably your
1: favorite fish to eat. How do you? How would you say? You know a couple different ways you prepare redfish and speckled trout, that that is a no brainer that nobody can mess up.
3: Okay. So for speckled trout, if you are not a huge seafood fan, you may not be a huge fan of speckled trout. Speckled trout is a lot more oily than, uh, say, you know, a, a bluegill or something like that. It's not a super mild whitefish. It's still a mild fish, But it's almost got some salmon qualities to it fry it and if you don't want to fry it pretend it's a piece of salmon throw some honey and hot sauce on it and put it in the oven um so good that way red fish take some cajun blackening seasoning i don't like to do it i like to make my own because there's too much salt but uh, you just take all the all the spices that are red and then some pepper, and you just chop the side of the redfish off. Just pull the filet right off, keep the scales on, keep the skin on, season the meat side, drop the meat side down on your grill, flip it after two minutes, close the cover, let it cook for another six minutes, pull it off and you will have the best meal. I promise you, blackened redfish on the half shell is the best way, the easiest way to prepare a fish
1: yeah that that's that I would say that is probably the the one preparation that I, I hear from pretty much everyone. Our buddy Kyle goes down to Louisiana every year and they they bring back a bunch of redfish, and that's that's his go-to too. So I've never heard anybody say anything bad about that preparation. as far as speckled trout go, um, my kids like milder fish, so when I bring some of those home, uh, I gotta do a little bit of more work to uh, to kind of prepare those fish. so. One thing I've done to kind of firm them up because they're a little bit more of a uh, like a fragile flesh, um, not quite as bad as weak fish. I've only ever kept one weak fish, and I had to because I gut hooked it. But you taught that, that—that's a whole different story. Weak fish compared to speckled trout, you'd think they'd be pretty similar. Not at all. Not at all.
3: Now weak um, fish are like cotton balls.
1: Yeah, it's you could like get you could have like just you take a spoon and roll all the meat off of there so easily. It's just the flesh is so fragile, but. Speckled trout, what I've done with it is I'll um, I'll flay it completely clean, um, obviously bleed all the fish. At, no matter what, anything you're harvesting, you should always bleed, personally, in my opinion. But I will soak them in a saltwater brine for about an hour to two hours, and then I'll wrap them in towels and, and let them um, kind of, I guess, firm up overnight. The saltwater brine seems to make them a little bit firmer, and it's a little bit easier to cook them, and it takes some of the gaminess away uh, from what I've found. Um, but my, my kids like fried fish. It's if it's Brown, my kids are in. So
0: we'll
1: we'll try and grill a couple different things here and there. I'll make like fish cakes. I made some really good fish cakes out of speckled trout that everybody loved. Um, we did that for, uh, like a seven fish dinner around the holidays. One time and it was a hit. Um, the, 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 the fish cakes with a a jalapeno jam, uh, jalapeno jam tartar sauce is incredible. Oh, that sounds good. I love fish cakes. We do a lot of fish cakes. Yeah. Down here. yeah the, uh, the, the secret ingredient is the Zatarans crab and shrimp, shrimp boil. It's in a little vial, about two inch, three inches tall. Just a couple little drops of that in there. Money, absolute money. I just That's gave cool. away one of my secrets for my fish cakes. Everybody knows now, but, but yeah, you, you boil the fish, get it like to a crab consistency. drop Drop three drops of that Zatarans crab and shrimp boil, and it's money. And then, if you if you got to have some kind of sauce, replace get it get a, a sweetened jalapeno jam and replace uh, the the regular sweet relish with that. Mix it with the mayonnaise. Off the charts, off the charts.
3: And guys, don't go listening to that recipe and think that you're a spice demon and you're going to put about eight or ten drops of that Zatarans in there because no. it will <laughs> blow your back end off. I'm
1: telling no. you. And not only that, your house will stink for days. If you have too much of that in there, no more than three drops. I promise you it's super concentrated, but you can find it at most grocery stores. Zatarain's crab and shrimp boil is the secret ingredient for any fish cake you make period, period, period. Agreed. (laughs) Well, Warren, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, brother. We've had, we've had a great, we could go on forever. I mean, we, I think we've just talked for about an hour and 20 minutes. It does. It felt like we just, we just hopped on. So um, any any other social media plugs you're, you're, I know you're pro staff with Ashman and then maybe uh, another company. you want you wanna talk about that before we hop off?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we also work really closely with a clothing company called Attaboy Southern Apparel Co. Um, the owner, Todd, he's a great guy. Um, we've just we just really get along well. We mesh well. Um, and we're, we're part of a we're their inshore pro team. They also have an offshore pro team, just killer guys all around. Um, we, we definitely like to thank everybody that supported us so far. Uh, you know, we, we sell our own clothes as well. So the people who have have purchased that, that's awesome. Um, if you'd like to be, uh, added to our order list, feel free to DM us on Instagram or our email at runthemarshva at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Thanks guys. Thank you so much. This has been a blast and you're right. We could definitely go on forever. Um, so I must feel bad not having the other guys with me, but they said, go ahead, charge it. You're the spokesperson. So. Hey, we'd be happy to have those guys on at some point too. So yeah, it, we, we, we
1: will be, we will be circling back with some of our guests. Cause we have, we have some unfinished business with some
2: folks. So yep, and this and the Good. fact that we, uh, I mean, we want to re our next podcast with you guys. If we can get you all, maybe two of you guys, even all three of you guys on, you know, like we'll dig deeper into like the fishing aspect, like th- a day in the life of a fisherman in Virginia Beach. You know what I mean? Like literally yeah. ta- tactics, techniques, stuff like that. You know, no spot burning, but, you know, just just a, like an everyday Joe Schmo like me that never fished Virginia Beach a day in his life. If I was to drop in you know, figure plan, I plan a trip in two weeks, you know, like I would listen to this podcast and kind of get a a hang of what to bring to at least be able to pick up a fish or two, just for like, you know, just because it's the very first time there. And we would love to uh, literally sit down with you guys at a full round table and literally just have a guy talk day just about tactics.
3: We would love that too. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we do. The only secret, you know, the only secret we have is the dance we do after we catch the fish. I mean, a couple, you know, a couple of spots and, and stuff like that. But honestly, we want people to be able to go out and enjoy it. Um, and we definitely don't want people running their props through our lines looking like dummies trying to figure out how to fish. We'd rather just tell them. So,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, man, like we, we are obviously we're at the the mercy of the pandemic, right? So this is how we're recording now. But we're gonna be doing some remote recording up front uh, soon with uh, with with video and stuff like that. So I'll come to you guys at some point, and we'll we'll put something together. And Quaal come to you. We'll, we'll we'll come down there and and live it up, and and then we'll 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 tear Virginia Beach up. Tide Chasers uh, mash up with Run the Marsh.
2: Oh, I mean, we love it. I mean, it's a five hour toll for me, but I, I I'll tell I'll tow to skiff all the way down there. I don't care.
3: <laughs> That's right. We'll run it. We ought to have got. We ought to have a whole fleet by
2: then. <laughs> couple of kayak. We'll tow the kayaks in the back of the boats Yeah, Just man. to drag you guys around with us. <laughs> Look like a yard train. There you
1: go. Well, Warren, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Thank you for hopping on with us. You, you gave us some amazing content. And It's only going to get better from here. We're excited to see what you guys do with the page and where you guys uh, grow, grow your audience. And we, we are definitely happy to be a part of that with
3: you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. Qua. I really enjoyed the time and,
2: uh, Look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, most definitely, man. Just reach out to us whenever you ever come up, or if we go down, we'll definitely reach out to you. Oh, absolutely. All right, buddy. We're going
1: to stay on if you want to hop off, but uh, thanks again, and I'll be talking to you soon, okay? Yeah. All man. right. I'll be All talking right. to you. Have a good night, man. Get some sleep, brother. Oh, I'm going to try. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See you. See you, my man. Right. See you later, dude. Awesome. Whew. That, was a, that was a good long one, man. Yeah. It was good
1: stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was, stuff. I was looking at my, my bullet points here and I thought we get like this, like we, we go off on our tangents. It's like, man, do I have enough here to, to fill the time? And that was awesome. He was great.
2: Yeah. I mean, most of our podcasts we do have our little bullet points and like stuff we want to hit, but like in reality, we just literally, we just want to sit down and just talk fish with a bunch of yeah. guys. That, that's literally Like, yeah, sometimes we'll jump off target, but you know what? That's, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to, yeah. if we, if something, if a subject clicks with us, you know, we run with it. You know what I mean? And it, it may not have had nothing to do with fishing, but you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But like I said, we don't want this to be like one of those kind of like, uh, it's just about fishing and all that. No, this is the, our podcast is always about a fisherman and how he enjoys his life, whatever it may be. You know what I mean? And so that's, what we want to bring to our guests. Yeah. Maybe it's not for every guest, but you know what? It's, it's something fun. It's something different, but like, you know, in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you guys think you know someone that would make a perfect guest for us, feel free to hit us up. No, we don't bite. Just reach out to me, reach out to Dan, reach out to the type chasers podcast forums and, you know, shoot a, shoot us a message, you know I mean? Tell us, tell us your story and, you know, we'll be able to put you on, you know, like just have, it's all about just having fun, man.
1: And as as we've said in the past, we have some exciting things coming up that we're not ready to talk about yet. And you know, we're going to be bringing the video aspect and the YouTube and everything. Obviously, we just wanted to make sure we we had this down. And I I think we I think we we got a nice audience going. We got some amazing guests. We have amazing guests lined up, and we got some exciting things coming up in the future. We're we're really looking forward to bringing some exciting and different content. Um, Obviously, you know, we're we're bringing on guests where we want to introduce them to our our are following at this point so they can kind of get to know who these people are, but there's, there's more to it. I mean, you know, people have families, people have kids, people have all this other stuff that makes them who they are. So we're going to talk about that. And obviously we'll get into different thing, aspects of a day in the life of the fishermen, as, as you said, Qua. so it's all about, you know, uh, building a community really it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of us that we can, we can stretch our, uh, our, our following and kind of, kind of, really make a difference by having a singular message of, Hey, we, we, we love to fish, but we also care about these fisheries. We also care about conservation, responsible harvesting, uh, responsible handling of the fish. You know, that like we, we, we will never, we will never, uh, voice uh, an opinion. That's going to have someone targeting a muskie when it's not the right time to do it. You know, we're going to, we're going to follow the right thing to do. That's, that's just who we are. So. We appreciate everybody tuning in as always and all the amazing feedback we've gotten so far. And as always, thank you. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for tuning in. Um, as usual, you can find us at tide chasers podcast on Facebook at tide underscore chasers on Instagram. Um, you can find all of our podcast links in the bio of our Instagram page, as well as on our Facebook page and really just, 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 Kind of give us an idea of, of of future content that you want to hear. If there's a specific direction you want us to to take an episode, reach out. We've had people make suggestions and we've ran with it. So it's just a matter of, you know, we're we're just two people. There's a lot more content possibility out there that our guests, our followers will will be able to to, to kind of highlight for us. So, but as always, we really appreciate you tuning in.
2: Yeah, sounds good, to May. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in with us. Check us out on the platform that Dan just mentioned a few minutes earlier. Um, beside that, stay tuned for our next podcast. Tight lines, everybody. Yep. Good night, tight lines, everyone.